0: This is Getting to know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert.
1: The wife of a very famous uh, entertainer said: I thought money could bring happiness, I've been terribly disillusioned. It was George Bernard Shaw who said there are two tragedies in life. One is to get your heart's desire and the other is not to get it. You know there are many people today that are not as happy as they could be. Today we're going to be talking about life at its best. What is life at its best? Are you living that kind of a life? Please stay tuned today as we talk about life at its very best. Now on Getting to Know Your Bible, we offer a free Bible correspondence course. I emphasize it is free. Please stay tuned as we pause long enough for you to learn more about the Bible course and how you can receive it.
0: To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible Correspondence Course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, PO Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama, 36580. Or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214.
1: Many people are living miserable, unhappy lives. It's my desire that you get the best out of life. We're going to be talking about that today. What is life at its best? Now, some people are trying to get the most out of life in places where it cannot be found. But you know, our Lord came into this world that you might have the best life. As a matter of fact, in John chapter 10 and verse 10, we're told that Jesus came that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. Now, in order to get the most out of life, what are we going to do? Are we going to resort to the pursuit of material things to get the the best out of life? You know, Jesus also said in Luke 12, 15, that a man's life does not consist in the abundance of the things that he possesses. I think a lot of folk in our world today think that if they just had a little bit more money. They had a little bit more land. They had a little bit more laid up in the bank or they had more investments. That, that man, that's really living. But Jesus said, that's not the best life. So some are looking for happiness in, in life and the best of life in living a life of immorality. And, and But Jesus said, no man can serve two masters. He, he, either he will hate the one and love the other, he will hold the one and despise the other. You, you cannot serve God in mammon. You cannot serve the Lord and live with the devil at the same time. That's not where life is to be found, not the best life, not the abundant life. And, and some are looking forward in education. They think if I could just have more education, and let me, uh, let, please understand, I believe in education. As a matter of fact, I believe in it very strongly. I'm on the board of two educational institutions. But, but just having a lot of titles attached to your name doesn't necessarily mean that you're living the best life now. So wh- how do we live that best life? Well, I want to direct your attention today to the book of Philippians, And I want to start with verse 19 to begin with, and I'll be reading down to verse 21. For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always so now, also Christ, listen to him now, Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. Now listen to verse 21 carefully. For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Folk, there you have it, good people. That's the best life now, isn't it? You know, in verse 20, Paul said that whether I live, whether I die, I, I'm going to magnify Christ in my life. In my body, I'm going to magnify Him. What does it really mean to magnify something? Well, I, I remember my mother having a a little glass-looking thing, and, and I remember as a little boy wondering about that little glass-looking thing. And, and I learned that I could take it and put it over an object or maybe a newspaper or a book I was reading, and it made it larger, it magnified it. You see, to magnify something means to give an enlarged view of it. And people today need to see Christ magnified. If there was ever a time that there ought to be a magnified view of Jesus, it ought to be today. Well, you say who ought to be doing the magnifying? I ought to be doing that. Christians ought to be magnify Christ in their lives. Listen to Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 10. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus Christ, that, that the life of Christ, that the life of Christ might be made manifest in our body. You say, well, what does he mean here? That as we live on this earth, in our lives, day in and day out, we ought to be showing, we ought to be manifesting, we ought to be magnifying the life of Jesus Christ. I think one of the things possibly missing in modern-day religion in so-called modern-day Christianity. And I use that term somewhat loosely as, as some would use it. But, but I think the thing that is missing is that we're not showing how Jesus would have us to live. I remember as a young preacher reading some books that, that changed my view about what it meant to live for Jesus. One of those books was entitled, In His Steps, and another was entitled, The Cost of Discipleship, written by German author, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And in that book, he talked about cheap grace. Cheap grace. Well, grace is not cheap, because it costs God His beloved Son. But sometimes we think that there's a cheap way to serve Jesus. We have to be willing to pay the price. We need to magnify Jesus in our life. So Paul said, I'm going to magnify Him. I magnify Jesus by my worship of Him, by my praise of Him. I magnify Him by my discipleship. 1 John 2 and 6 says that we ought to walk as He walked. Walk in the footsteps of the Lord Jesus Christ. But notice verse 21, Paul said, For me to live, for me to live is Christ. Now suppose that we wrote that sentence down. Just just imagine that we're sitting in your kitchen, and you and I sitting, we're sitting around the table, and we have our Bibles open, and maybe we're drinking a, Uh, a glass of water, a glass of tea, a cup of coffee. And we're just having a Bible study. And so we all get out a sheet of paper and we put it before each one of us and and, and then we, we ask each one to write down this sentence. For me to live is, and then have a blank. And now what we're going to do is to fill in that blank. If you were asked to do that, what would you put in that blank? What are you really living for? Are you really living just to make money? Just to make money? I remember what Solomon said about that. He said, riches take themselves wings and and they fly away. It doesn't take you very long to, to, for it to leave you. Is that really what you're living for, just to make money? Someone will say, well, well, you know, I'm in the business world, and what I'm doing, I, I live to climb the corporate ladder. And if that's what you put in that blank, well, then that shows what you're trying to find the best life in, trying to climb the corporate ladder. But is that where it's at? Is that what life is all about? Paul said, for me to live is Christ. And then he said, there's an advantage for me living for Christ. For me to live is Christ. He was living in Christ. Paul was in Christ. The way that a person gets into Christ as a believer in Jesus, as a penitent believer in Jesus, as a penitent confessing believer in Jesus, the way we get into Christ is, uh, Paul taught in Galatians three twenty-seven, as well, as well as Romans 6, 3, and 4, we're baptized into Christ. And Paul had been. And Paul so Paul was living in Christ. But Paul not only lived in Christ, Paul lived for Christ. That was his passion. There was a time in his life that Paul persecuted those who lived for Christ. But now he was not the persecutor, Paul was the persecuted. And Paul not only lived in Christ for Christ, he lived with Christ. I don't know exactly how to explain what I have in my mind about that statement, but I think of a person living with someone. You see, I live with uh, my my wife and I have been married over 50 years. And I live with my wife. I'm at home with my wife. She is my everything so far as earthly relationships are concerned. And when I live with Christ, when I live with Him, I think that speaks of our daily walk with Jesus. I think the best life, folks, is a life where you live for Jesus. Now, now, there's nothing wrong with having material goods. It's wrong when those material goods have you. And, And number one in your life ought to be, ought to be the Lord Jesus Christ. We ought to have Him first in our lives. And if I were to try to make an assessment today of the greatest need we have in our world, in America, And throughout all the regions of the earth, it is for every man, woman, boy, and girl on the face of this earth to be committed to the Lord Jesus Christ, to live for Christ. And there's an advantage to it. Have you ever thought about the advantage of living for Christ? Let let me ask you a question. I I, want to be your friend. And I hope that you'll look at me as your friend. And as a friend to a friend, what are you living for? Are you living for Christ? Is He the core? Is He the center of your life? Every life needs a point of reference. Every life needs a center. So what are you living for? But let me tell you the advantage of it. Paul said, for me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. That that makes me think about a passage in the book of Revelation, chapter 14 and verse 13. But blessed are the dead which die in the Lord, yea, henceforth saith the Spirit that they may rest from their labors, and their works do follow them. You see, when we live for Christ, when our focus is on Jesus Christ, then when we leave this world, there is an advantage to it. There is gain. It is gain because now we are with the Lord. It is gain because now we are through with all of the discomforts and all of the things that that caused us discomfort and trouble in this whole world. We're through with all of that. When you make Jesus Christ the center of, and the focus of your life you want the best life life at its best folks life at its best is living and centering your life around the Lord Jesus Christ that's the best thing you can do for your home I talk to families occasionally who are having difficulties things that are, that are troubling the family and causing problems between the husband and wife or maybe the parents and the children. And I have yet to be uh, counsel a family like that. But what they've not taken their focus off of Jesus Christ. We need to be focusing on Jesus today. Life at its best is a life that centers around Jesus Christ. And if you don't remember anything else I say today, please remember, life at its best is living for Christ. And to die after you have focused your life on Jesus, to die is gain. Paul went on in the next passage by saying that, that he was in a strait betwixt two. He had a desire to depart and be with Christ. He said, it's far better. That's in verse 23. To depart to, to and be with Christ after you've lived a life that's centered around Jesus, that focused on Jesus. It's, a, it's far better to do that. And, and I want to encourage you, if you've never thought about Jesus, If you've never considered Jesus, if you're struggling with your life, maybe, maybe it could just maybe be that you're not getting the most out of life, the best life, because you've taken your focus and put it in places that will never, ever give you life at its best. But let's look at another thing Paul teaches in this great chapter If if you'll notice in verse 27, Paul teaches that life at its best is conduct. Listen to verse 27. Only let your conversation, that is your conduct, be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind striving to gather for the faith of the gospel. Now, life at its best is conduct. Listen to him again, let your conduct be as it becomes the gospel. You know, some things are not very becoming. That is, they're not very fitting. they're not very proper. but it is very proper. It is very fitting for our lives to be in harmony with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I have often said as I'd be speaking to a group of people that my my wife helps to coordinate me, that is with my clothing. I, I may get up and I get dressed on a Sunday morning maybe to go preach and and I'll go ahead and pick out a tie and she'll say, you know, that, that, I just hate to tell you, Billy, but that tie is just, it just doesn't do anything for that suit you have on. And I, I've talked to a lot of men and I found out I'm not in the boat by myself. she say it's just not very becoming. Folks, can I just talk to you out of my heart? Our lives Ought to be becoming of the gospel. It ought to beautify the gospel. Our lives ought to be in harmony with the gospel. And listening to what some of our younger people are saying today, one of the great disappointments they have in life is that they see those who are older who are supposedly their leaders, so far as their spiritual lives are concerned, and they see those lives are not quite like they read about in the Bible. That is, they're not living a life that is in harmony with the gospel. You know, the gospel teaches us really how to live, doesn't it? Oh, it's for our salvation when we obey the gospel, Paul said the gospel is the power of God unto salvation in Romans 1, 16. And that gospel saves us by believing the gospel, by, by b- believing it and by uh, being baptized into Christ because Jesus has said he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. And that's how we obey the gospel. But, but there's more to, that, to living in harmony with the gospel than obeying the gospel, those initial steps in obedience. We obey the gospel every day of our lives by living it. See, the gospel teaches us how to treat each other. Wouldn't it be a better world if we treated one another with love and kindness and goodness? I, I like what the late President George Bush, number 41, used to say. And I think his desire was a good desire for a kinder, gentler world. Wouldn't that be wonderful? If all people everywhere would start living in harmony with the gospel. Let me tell you what what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 12. Whatsoever you would that men should do unto you, do you also unto them. Can you imagine the revolution that would begin in the world today if we started treating each other in in, in keeping with what that passage teaches? If we started treating other people like we'd want other people to treat us. Frequently, my wife and I go into someone's home to sit down and study the Bible with them. And if it's someone with whom we have never studied before, This is the way, after we've had a prayer with them, this is the way we began the study. I want you to be relaxed because I plan to treat you like I'd want you to treat me if you came into my home. I'm not here to twist your arm. I'm not here to put pressure on you. I just want to share with you about Jesus. We need to treat other people as we, want to be treated. The gospel teaches us not only how to treat each other, it teaches us to be forgiving of one another, to be kind and understanding. Ephesians 4:32 says be kind one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. And sometimes I wonder is there any kindness left in our world? Yes indeed there is. Are are there those in our world who are not kind? Yes, indeed there are. But let us never become so discouraged that we think there isn't still kindness in the world. And there are so many people that day in and day out are performing random acts of kindness to others, not because they have to, because they want to. You see, the gospel teaches us how to conduct ourselves. Life at its best is conduct. We ought to conduct ourselves in a Christ-like fashion in our homes and set a good example before our children. Someone asked a lady one day, Do you wake up grouchy every morning? She said, no, I just always let him sleep late. I'm not sure they were on the same wavelength. And so we don't need to be grouchy in the home. We, we need to exhibit the, the attitude and the love of the Lord Jesus Christ toward our spouses, toward our children. We ought, if there is one place on this earth that we ought to live for Jesus and conduct ourselves in a Christlike way, it ought to be at home now today on getting to know your bible i would like to pause long enough to give you a personal invitation to visit the church of christ in your community and if you're not certain where the church is located if you'll get in touch with us then we will get that information for you also right now i'd like to encourage you to call for the free Bible Correspondence Course. Pick up the telephone right now and call for that course. Please do that now. And also, you can take the course online. However you do it, we want to urge you to take this free Bible Correspondence Course. There are thousands of people, literally thousands upon thousands of people, who have taken this Bible Correspondence Course. And we want you to have it And I want to thank you for watching today, and until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you is my prayer.
0: We want to help you as much as possible in your search for a personal relationship with God. You can now easily access our free Bible correspondence course online at GettingToKnowYourBible.com. If there's any way we can help you grow closer to God, please email us at gettingtoknowyourbible at yahoo.com or call us anytime at 1-877-711-5214.